Good evening and welcome to What We Lose in the Shadows, a father-daughter true crime podcast. My name is Jamison Keys. I'm Caroline. Today, the trigger warnings are as follows. Murder, abuse, domestic violence, assault, child disappearance, and child assault. Today's a little different. I'll be listening in along with you guys. So dad is going to tell me a story and I'll be reacting with you guys. So Kara, as you know, for many years, about nine years actually, we lived in the greater Chicago area in a place called Will County. Last week we did the story of Lisa Stebick and Lisa was a mother who disappeared and Nothing more has been found out about her in all these years since she disappeared. And it got me to thinking. And so I did a little bit of uh, research, and I found that there are a lot of cases in Will County that are unsolved. On October 4, 1990, 28-year-old Robin Abrams waved to her father as they passed each other on the street on Goodnow Avenue in Beecher, Illinois, also in Will County. Donald Abrams was a police officer, and he was headed home from work on that Thursday afternoon. As he waved to his daughter, he had no idea that that was the last time he would ever see her alive. Robin Amos grew up in Orland Park, Illinois. Her family later settled in Beecher. She was described as a a lovely young lady, smart, driven, very much like you, Karen. She put herself through college by working weekends and nights at McDonald's. People, they would say that she would do anything for her friends and her family. In 1997, showed great interest in law because of her father. Around that same time, Robin met a man by the name of Tony Marquez, a local businessman and part of the Will County Sheriff's Auxiliary Office. They struck up a friendship, and Marquez encouraged her uh, to join as a police officer at the Will County Sheriff's Office, where he had many friends. This is making me nervous. Robin went to the police academy and did well. She was hired shortly thereafter by Will County in January of 1988. From May of 1988 to October of 1988, Robin began an affair with Marquez, who, despite the fact that she was in her 20s, he was a little older in his 40s. So who was married? Marquez was married. Okay, she wasn't married. Right. Uh, They had a rocky relationship, even from the start. A few months in, Robin found out that Tony was married. Oh. And when she did, she quickly put the end to the relationship after only five months. Mm. But as so many times happens, Marquez wouldn't accept it. He was a powerful guy, and he was used to getting his own way. This began a very turbulent period for both Robin and Tony as they exchanged accusations of harassment. But according to her family, it was Robin who often sported bruises. Of course. When Robin did end the affair, her supervisor warned her to keep her mouth shut, but she refused to do that. What year is this? This is 1988. Oh. So she refused, and October the 2nd, 1988, she did receive that rebuke and a letter from the chief of, uh, the chief sheriff, the chief of police, Robert Brown. In December, just two weeks uh, before her probation period was up, the Will County Sheriff's Department fired her. At the time of her disappearance, Robin had a pending federal civil rights law case that accused Marquez and seven members of the department of harassment, bringing phony charges against her, ways to humiliate her. Uh, She was seeking $50,000 in compensation and another $500,000 in punitive damages. That is so sad that she had to even go through that and deal with that. Absolutely. Uh, Allegedly... 
and, and I get this from the uh, Naperville patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, allegedly, at one point, Robin was arrested by the police officers and placed in a holding cell with 10 men for eight hours, all of whom were arrested on felony complaints. They put her in with men. Allegedly. This is according to her family. Oh, my God. This That's was just crazy. one of the 105 charges that the department and Tony Mark has leveled against her. Oh, my God. Things like your taillights out. You're driving recklessly. All but two of them, when they came to trial, were dismissed by the judge. Oh. And the two that weren't yeah. dismissed, she was found not guilty of. She was found not guilty. Correct. Or he was found not Who was found not guilty? She was. All 105 oh. charges were leveled against her. Yeah, right? That's oh crazy. Oh, my God. So, uh, needless to say, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of trying to intimidation of her. Um, and the funny thing is, the judge in the case, when he was hearing it, he actually tried to help her. He said, he, he dismissed the two charges against her and then said he was going to, in fact, grant her an order of protection against Tony Marquez. As he, as she should. Yeah, she definitely deserved that after all that. But the thing is, is like when you have to go through the police to get an order of protection, that was never going to happen, which is probably why that judge did that. Right. And and who do you think would be enforcing that order? Of course. Uh, yeah. Oh, trust me. I know. I know the I know the deal. The Will County Sheriff's Department. Yeah. Before she disappeared, Robin Ashley took her family to Tony's insurance office. And said, this is where Tony works. And if anything happens to me, it was Tony. Does that sound familiar to any case that we've ever worked on before? It does, actually. It does. And, and, and unfortunately, I think you're going to find out that that happens all too often. I think so, too. And it's, it's tragic. So it was just like Lisa Stebbick. And in fact, it was not only just like Lisa Stebbick, it was also like Stacey Peterson. Mm-hmm. So to this day, nobody has ever been found. Her family believes that Abrams uh, was murdered by Tony. Of course. The day she disappeared, uh, she was seen at a local gas station at about the same time that Tony was seen at the gas station. What a piece of shit. It's been nearly 33 years since the disappearance. And despite the involvement of the state police, the case has never been solved and no real evidence has been presented. Is that guy still on the police force? He actually passed away a couple of years ago. So I don't know. A large number, if not most police officers, are actually decent people trying to do a very difficult job. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are drawn to the job that do so for the wrong reasons. I disagree. <laughs> we, we know <laughs> that we have differing opinions about the police, but I'm sure some of them are good. Obviously not Tony. Right. And there's other weird things about the case, too. Um, one thing was they found out the following day uh, <clears throat> that her car was about 20 miles away, parked on a road somewhere. And it was a really nice car. It was a Dodge Daytona. It was a, kind of a flashy, fancy car. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they found it abandoned there. They found her purse in the car. Uh, and, and, and they found a camera in the car, but there was no film in the camera. So there's a lot of weird things, right? That's so crazy. I just, it's so obvious. And the fact that no one's ever gone back and pieced this together is, it's upsetting. Like it's, it's obvious to us sitting here, 
where we are, like hundreds of miles away from there. And the people who are supposed to be solving this are doing what? I don't know. I do know that the sheriff was coming up for re-election the next year. So he wanted to keep that kind of, you know, that kind of thing uh, quiet was probably something he was very interested in. Mm. I know that there was another person a few years later claimed he was actually under arrest at the time, but he claimed he knew where her body was buried. And uh, the interesting thing was where her car was dropped off, it was near a convenience store. And they said that the guy that was in the convenience store said that he had seen a tow truck come up and drop the car where it was. So the fellow that um, that was trying to get a lesser sentence said he knew where the body was. He had said that he had once worked for a tow company. Oh, he he was the person who... That's what we're that's what we're assuming, yeah. Oh. So <clears throat> he told the the Will County Sheriff's Department where to find the body. Did they find it? That it would be in a in a shallow grave uh, at near this place, right? But they didn't find it. Well, so the investigators went there. There was they were, they were they they basically were assigned a a pair of investigators to look into it. But when they got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the district attorney at the time said that he had no evidence to actually look at this location. Oh. When they went about uh, getting the proper things in line and going back to that address, mm-hmm. what they found there was an empty, shallow depression. So it seemed like something was there. Something was buried. <gasps> that's that's so crazy. So the question being is, what was there? What was there? Are they moving this body around? I mean, like, what? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. So, so that's that's that particular case. So, Kara, while this case was tragic and awful, it was far from unusual in Will County. Another case that was similar in the respect that it was not solved and it happened to a woman was Amelia Joe, or Molly, as she was known, Zelko. In 1957, 47-year-old Amelia was the editor of the Joliet Spectator, the city's weekly newspaper. Joliet was about 20 minutes from where we lived, I think, so it was very close. Of course, this was a long time before we lived there. Selko vanished from her driveway on Buell Avenue on September 25th, 1957. Besides being a reporter at the newspaper, she was also a longtime secretary, treasurer, business manager, and co-owner, which is a big feat for a woman back in 1957. Even to this day, it's a big feat, even more so in 57, for sure. Definitely, yes. No, for sure, both. But, I mean, that amount of work, let alone, is a big feat, regardless of gender and, you know, sexism. NamUs, a database for unidentified remains and missing people, indicates that she wore a hat when she disappeared. However, she was most likely wearing no shoes because her shoes were found by her car. Molly also wore a diamond ring and a bracelet, a bracelet that was valued at $5,000. She stood at 5 foot 4 inches tall and weighed around 120 pounds. So is that all we know about Molly? This is all that we know about Molly. Wow. Nothing else has, has been 
sad. That's so sad. That's just so incredibly sad. I mean, think about that. That really was an accomplishment for a lady in 1957, um, given the times and given the, the, you know, the prejudices against women and women business owners at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would think robbery because she was wearing a diamond ring, you know. And a but I think a lot of bracelet. people were wearing diamond rings, right? Like five thousand I mean, dollar. No, that would have well, been really kind of flashy. extravagant and flashy at that point in time. But I mean, so you would think robbery off the bat. But here's the problem I have with it: her shoes That's were still weird. by her car, which means someone literally swept her off her yeah. feet, and not in a good way. Yeah, it just, it just. It just infuriates me. Here's a tiny little woman that's worked and scrapped and really succeeded. And some psychopath just decided to. I know. So there's also the case of uh, Joan Yarborough Bernal. Uh, in 1988, she was 34, also in Joliet. According to the Doe Network, uh, Joan Bernal was supposed to join her husband on a trip to Edinburgh, not Scotland, but Texas. Mm. Police investigators said that they believe that Gilbert Bernal killed his wife on December 9th, 1988, after quarreling about taking their children on the planned vacation to Texas. Bernal said he gave his wife $1,500 and that she boarded a Joliet-bound uh, bus in McAllister, Oklahoma, going back to Joliet. The Doe Network also reported that uh, investigators found out that she never made the trip. Gilbert Bernal was charged with the murder even though the body was never found. Then, after taking over the Will County State's Attorney's Office, James Glasgow had murder charges against Bernal dropped in 1994 based on the criminal defense lawyer's contention that they produced four different people who claimed to have seen Jones still alive. This is according to the Chicago Tribune in but May they never, of 1994. They never checked? Like, she's never been... Like verified alive by her family or friends. She's never been found. She's never yeah. been verified. No one ever saw her after that. Uh, Joan Bernal was a driver for the Joliet Mass Transit District. She was born in Oak Park and grew up in Hickory Hills and graduated from Stag High in 1972. The third woman that we're going to talk about tonight was Jerry Duvall. She was 29 when she disappeared in Sherwood, Illinois. According to NamUs. She was last seen by her husband, Bob Duvall, on the night of June 8th, 1990. When their daughters returned from visiting their grandparents, Jerry, their mother, was not there to greet them. The children stated that their father was often violent with Jerry and that the two of them would argue frequently. The children recalled an incident where he choked her and threatened to burn their house down. The Charlie Project states that Bob reported her missing after four days, and after her mother pushed him to. That's horrible. Yeah, it's it's unsettling. And the fact that it took him four days is odd. It's just odd. You, if you live with someone, you see them frequently, I would assume. Right. Isn't that a, it's a recurring theme, and it's really kind of terrible. I mean, I mean, you remember Craig Stebbick waited until the next day. He was sure his wife was gone, but... It's so stupid and obvious because I would report my girlfriend missing immediately. For sure. So it doesn't make sense to me. But then again, I'm not a criminal. That's true. And then one last uh, one last case to talk about in the missing woman of Will County uh, is Rachel Mellon. And this might be actually the most 
the saddest one of all because Rachel Mellon, who disappeared in 1996, was only 13 years old. She disappeared from Bolingbrook. Rachel was at home. She had called off school that day. It was a really frigid January 31st, 1996. She was homesick from school. To this day, um, there's been no trace. Her stepfather, who is an unemployed stepfather, was home with Rachel that day, and he reported that she had had a sore throat in the morning. First time anyone realized that uh, Rachel wasn't there, when her mother, Ann Mellon, came home and went to her room to check on her and uh, realized that uh, she wasn't, in fact, in the home at all. The stepfather told police that he saw, last saw Rachel about 2.30 p.m., that you know, just before he took the family dog out for a walk, uh, the dog got loose, apparently, and uh, he told the law officers that uh, the dog had run after a rabbit and he couldn't catch him. So Vince Mellon, who was 48 at the time, made an effort to catch the dog and then gave up on that and went back home. Later in the day, a, a real estate appraiser showed up at the house with the dog because it had a tag on its collar, of course. So I guess what I'm just confused about is the fact that there seem to be, in a lot of these cases, not in all of them, but in a lot of them, they seem to have obvious suspects or obvious like people, at least people, person of interest, at least. Yeah. So I'm confused. Like why there's not more activity, why there's not them questioning them. There's no report of any police activity at all. Right. It, it's, it's difficult. Uh, and in some states, nearly impossible to prosecute a crime that doesn't actually have a body attached to it. For example, if you think about Lisa Stebbick, the, the, the one thing that, that the Lisa Stebbick uh, never was able to be found, so there's no physical evidence. And in that case, her husband, Craig Stebbick, never really helped out with the police, never gave them any kind of latitude, wouldn't take a lie detector test and that kind of thing. So when there's a lack of a body, uh, it makes the prosecution very difficult. And, and, and all too often, unfortunately, you're going to find that state's attorneys uh, and, and district attorneys really are hesitant to try to bring a case like that because they they think it's just a waste of time and they're going to lose it anyways. It doesn't stop them from questioning them or or doing something or looking into their backgrounds. And typically we see that in some form, but I feel like with these, they totally just drop the ball. Yeah, and that seems to be a common theme here. I mean, I'm not saying that that Will County is, uh, you know, somehow a, a, a hotbed of, of police incompetence. But at the same time, that's an awful lot of cases with absolutely zero progress in the case. Yeah, I agree. In fact, uh, according to the Murder Accountability Project, uh, they have something called the Cold Case Homicide Stats, which rates all 50 states in terms of their number of murders and cold cases. And I know these are missing persons and not necessarily murders, but they're fairly similar. Um, Illinois actually ranks last in the nation of all 50 states at about 35% clearance rate of those murders committed. That being said, just because these cases did not get the attention that they deserve doesn't mean that there's not someone working at the Will County's police department or in some other office like Crime Stoppers that isn't ready and willing to take another look into these cases. So if you or anybody that you know has information about any of the cases that we've talked about, please don't hesitate to call. The number for Will County Sheriff's Department is 
8575. The number for Crime Stoppers of Illinois is 1 800 222 TIPS or 1 800 222 8477. The nice thing about Crime Stoppers is that it's all anonymous. Follow the show on whatever streaming site you're listening on. And remember, all of the source material will be available in the show notes. And follow us on Instagram at What We Lose in the Shadows. And let us know if you want to hear a specific case. Or if you just want to give us some feedback. Okay, join us in the shadows next Tuesday. Bye.